Good morning. morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship this day, this fifth Sunday of Lent together. To a couple of quick announcements, um, our annual meeting will be on April 24th and it will be after church and uh, we'll let you know about lunch in the coming weeks. We're just waiting to see how things kind of play out pandemic-wise. Now, the reports will be ready next week. They will be available electronically, um, but if you need a printed copy, I know some of you do, just let us know and we'll make sure we get some printed copies out there. Our Good Friday service is at 11 a.m. here in the church. That's April 15th. Our Easter sunrise service will be at 6 a.m. on Indian Beach. And we'll be back here for 11 a.m. for our regular Easter celebration. Unfortunately, there's no breakfast this year. You're on your own for that one. So, And you know, he's not here today, but someone turned 16 today. And that would be Anthony. He's, uh, we're just making sure. He's been in the gym a lot this week. He had the sniffles, so we're keeping him home for this morning. And they qualified for provincial championships in basketball with Sydney Academy. So he'll be heading to Truro this coming weekend, too. Any other announcements to share? Okay, let's just take a moment then to silence our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. I think I ran into juice on my lighter. light this candle to remember Jesus Christ, light of the world, walks with us each and every day. Our opening psalm today is, I forget which one, 146, I think, 146. Let us stand together for the psalm. Give my praise to God, O my soul. Praise God, O my soul. As long as I live, I will praise God. Yes, as long as I have life, I will sing praises to God. Put not your trust in princes, nor any mortal, for in them there is no help. Happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob. The one who keeps faith forever. Who gives justice to the oppressed. Who gives food to the hungry. Give your praise to God, O oh my soul. 
God sets prisoners free, restores sight to the blind. God cares for the stranger in the land and sustains the widow and orphan. God shall reign forever, O Zion. Give your praise to God, O my soul. Let's join together in our opening prayer. Lord, we gather as your children in this season of preparation. As we walk with Jesus to the cross, may we lay down our sins and receive the gift of love you have for us. May we draw closer to our Savior, who is your Son, and live the life you have in store for us. We pray in his most holy name. Amen. Our opening hymn is At the Name of Jesus.
scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 19, verses 1 to 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him whipped. The soldiers made a crown out of thorny branches and put it on his head. Then they put a purple robe on him and came to him and said, Long live the king of the Jews. And they went up and slapped him. Pilate went back out once more and said to the crowd, Look, I will bring him out here to you to let you see that I cannot find any reason to condemn him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Look, here is the man. When the chief priests and the temple guards saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him then and crucify him. I find no reason to condemn him. The crowd answered back, We have a law that says he ought to die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back into the palace and asked Jesus, Where do you come from? But Jesus didn't answer. Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Remember, I have the authority to set you free and also to have you crucified. Jesus answered, You have authority over me only because it was given to you by God. So the man who handed me over to you is guilty of a worse sin. When Pilate heard this, he tried to find a way to set Jesus free. But the crowd shouted back, If you set him free, that means that you are not the emperor's friend. Anyone who claims to be a king is a rebel against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he took Jesus outside and sat down on the judge's seat in the place called the Stone Pavement. In Hebrew, the name is Gabbatha. It was then almost noon of the day before the Passover. Pilate said to the people, Here is your king. They shouted back, Kill him! Kill him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Do you want me to crucify your king? The chief priests answered, The only king we have is the emperor. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. The word of the Lord.
Let us pray. Lord, we gather here in your presence today as we walk with Jesus to the cross, as we see the violence he endures, as we see the calls for his execution. Lord, we gather. We gather to reflect on these words, to feel their impact in our lives. So Lord, as we reflect, as we hear, as we ponder anew once again, be with us. We pray this in your most holy name, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Pilate is, is an interesting character for sure as we, walk with, as we watch these final hours in the life of Jesus on this earth. Last week we looked at how he really didn't want to deal with these Jewish problems that these religious leaders were having with Jesus. He wanted nothing to do with it. He tried to hand Jesus back over to the Jewish leaders, but they refused. They wanted him dead, and only the Roman Empire could dole out capital punishment. Only they could kill someone for their crimes. We saw how Pilate tried to reason with Jesus. Pilate even admitted that he found no guilt in Jesus. There's nothing wrong with him. He presumed him to be innocent. Yet the Jewish leaders, they kept pushing and pressing Pilate to murder an innocent man. Now remember, Pilate's job is to collect taxes and keep the peace, right? They are a long way from Rome, so he needed to be good at his job. He needed to keep the peace so that Rome would be happy with what he was doing. If there was an insurrection, if there was an uprising in the city, Rome would not be pleased and Pilate would be out of a job. And maybe even worse than that, he might be put on trial himself for treason, which would not end well. And when we pick up our reading from John 19 today, we see that Pilate hands Jesus over to be flogged, to be beaten. The soldiers, their job is to take delight in this, and they love putting, inflicting punishment on people. They love to humiliate them. So they dress Jesus up in a purple robe to dignify royalty, to, to signify royalty. They take some thorny branches and they fashion them into a crown and they press them into his head to the point where he bleeds. They love what they do and they're very good at it. They mock him. They walk up to him and say, oh, look, it's the king of the Jews. And then they slap him and punch him and whip him with leather straps that are just covered in in nails or glass or rock or whatever they can find for sharpness to, to inflict the most damage. And then they take Jesus as this bloody mess of torn flesh. He's still in his purple robe. He's still wearing the crown. And they drag him out before the crowd again. Pilate declares once again he cannot find anything wrong with this man. He he presumes him to be innocent. Why is he taking Jesus before the crowd? This last ditch effort it seems to to set him free. Does he hope that that the mob will see this broken and bloodied man and take pity on him? Is that what he's hoping? We don't really know. 
But Pilate says, here's the man. And the police and the chief priests start chanting out, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate calls out above the noise, take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. And that crowd full of religious leaders, they just shout back. We said, we have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he claimed to be the son of God. And things are looking really, really bad right now. It's pretty bleak. They have finally revealed the charge that they have against Jesus. He has claimed to be the son of God. And we're told Pilate is terrified now. This son of God, this king, he could be seen as a threat to the Roman Empire and their gods, their rule. This man could be set up to lead an army, maybe, against Romans and Rome even and and topple them. And the the only God that the Romans recognize, the only one that they worship, is their emperor. So Pilate takes Jesus back inside and he tries to reason with him again. He says, where are you from? I need to know where are you from? And Jesus doesn't answer. He says, do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus replies, you would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Pilate again tries to reason with him. Uh, Sorry, he he goes back to the crowd and he tries to release Jesus again. This is what, the, the fourth or fifth time I've lost track of Pilate trying to release the innocent man, Jesus. But the crowd shouts back again, if you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. Now we're getting serious. They are questioning Pilate's loyalty to the emperor. If word of this news spreads, Pilate will definitely be out of a job and possibly put on trial for treason himself. So he brings Jesus back out, and he says, here is your king. And the crowd roars roars back, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but the emperor, the crowd roars back. And then Pilate finally succumbs. He finally gives up. And he succumbs to their demands and he hands Jesus over to the soldiers to be crucified. What has Pilate been up to through all of this? Was he baiting the crowd? Was he trying to stir them up? Was he mocking them by by bringing Jesus out and saying, here's your king and he's dressed in the purple robe and, and the crown of thorns? Or was he bringing out a broken, beaten, and bloodied man to show that he has no authority, no power, that he's no threat at all? Now, given that we're told he's terrified, Pilate is terrified, it would seem to indicate that he's not playing with the crowd at all. He's taking this very seriously. He tries a bunch of times to to set Jesus free, but it never works. Because the angry crowd just keeps calling out for blood. 
What we see here in John 19 is a very, very dark scene. The evil of this world is on full display. Mockery, deception, malice, manipulation, pride, power. It's all there. It's all evil. All of it building into this crescendo of hatred and violence. In a way, Pilate has found himself in something he has no understanding of at all. He's completely unaware. This is a spiritual battle, not a physical one. When he tells Jesus that he has the power to crucify him or to to set him free, Jesus tells him that his earthly power, everything he thinks he has, is meaningless. It is irrelevant. It holds no no authority at all in this situation. Pilate does not understand anything that's going on here. And in a way, this, this says, as Jesus says, that there are others more guilty than him in this whole scene. The others are more guilty. And those others, those, they are the religious leaders. They are the ones inciting the mob, revving them up. They are the ones who are missing the point. They are the ones who should have known and recognized Jesus as the Messiah, as the Son of God. They are the ones who should know this. They are the experts in Scripture. They are the experts in the prophecies of the Old Testament. They should know the signs they are looking for of the Messiah when he comes. But they've got Jesus standing right in front of them, and they don't recognize any of the signs. They chose to ignore them and continue to protect their power, their riches, their authority that they so much enjoy. This is sad. This is incredibly sad. And it saddens me because little has changed over the last 2,000 years. Jesus was sent by God to shine a light in the darkness. And while many came and they saw the light and they accepted and they come to know Jesus, there are also many who rejected the light. They have chosen to hold on to the darkness, the darkness that is revealed in power and money and pride and greed. These same things that are destroying our world today, destroying our environment, they're destroying lives. They are keeping people trapped in poverty, keeping people trapped in sin. There's no question inflation is really, really high right now. I mean, we've all seen it. Our grocery bills have skyrocketed. The price of gas has skyrocketed. Our bills have just seemed to keep going up and up and up. Everybody wants more money for the services we receive. And they claim that they need to raise their prices because the cost of business has gone up by so much during these last couple of years in the pandemic. They also claim they can't pay their employees a, a, a living minimum wage because, again, prices will have to go up again. Yet these companies, these oil companies, these banks, these grocery chains, in 2021, they all made record profits. And these executives of these companies, they bring home millions of dollars a year in salaries, plus the huge bonuses they receive because their companies are seen to be doing so well, record profits. 
My friends, Jesus came to change the world. He came to show it's, it's not at all about the powerful. It's not at all about the rich. He came for the poor. He came for the vulnerable. He came for the broken. He came to give them hope. He came to reach into their lives, into their brokenness, and bring them healing. He came to show them that they are just as important as anyone else in this world, including those who are in power. Jesus came to show just who it is who is capable of receiving the love of God. And in doing so, many people received him, but also many people rejected him. Yet for everyone, everyone, he called them to take a good look at their lives and decide what is most important, a life of sin or a life with God. What is most important? Last week, Bev forwarded me an an email she got from a daily devotional website called Seedbed. And for this particular reading, uh, devotion, the focus scripture was 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, where it says this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. We are walking with Jesus right now to the cross in this season of Lent. We're looking very carefully at his final hours, what he did, what he said, where he went. But we're also looking at what others did, Peter, Pilate, What did they say? What did they do? And we're doing all of this to gain a better understanding of what unfolded, but also to see why Jesus did it in the first place. And I think Peter captures this well in this passage. He says, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Sin is a terrible thing to have in your life. Sin is what led the religious leaders to demand the execution of our Savior. Their hearts were hardened to the point where they missed the Messiah, the Savior of the world, standing right in front of them. They chose to worship something else. They chose to worship their riches, their power, instead of the Son of God. So what did Peter say when he talked about those who suffer in Christ? He said, they do not live the rest of their lives for earth, they do not relive the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. He says they'll spend the rest of their lives, the rest of their lives, the rest of my life, the rest of your life. And Peter lays out two options as to how we can live the rest of our lives. We can live for the earthly desires, or we can live for the will of God. The choice is ours. In the devotional that Bev sent me, it says that for many of us, we try to find a third option. 
We try to find this option that is somewhere in the middle. And in real- the reality is there is no third option. We choose to live for the desires of the world or we choose to live for the desires of God. To try to find something in between means we're trying to lift up some sort of earthly desire, which takes us back away from living for the will of God. We ultimately choose which we want to follow. We must recognize that what Jesus went through is a radical expression of God's love for us, his love for you. The intense hatred he faced during the trial, the mocking, the flogging, the incredible pain, he did it for you. He did it for the will of God. He did it so that you will choose to live in him so that he may live in you and that you may understand and receive the will of God. He invites us to lay aside the destructive and sinful natures of this world and turn to the pure source of goodness and love that is found only in God. Peter encourages us to not waste our lives. But he also says, do not live in regret. Simply embrace the love of God in our lives today and live for him all the rest of your days. Leave the the garbage, leave the sin, leave the past behind and live for God by following Jesus Christ, his only son who gives his life for you on the cross. Jesus spent his final hours in agony, being beaten, being humiliated as an innocent man, all because he loves you. He loves you. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to spend eternity with you in the presence of God the Father. So welcome him into your heart today and let him reveal the glory of our Heavenly Father in your life. Let him help us turn our lives of sin into lives that live for the will of God for now and for all eternity. Thanks be to God for the gift of Jesus Christ who leads us to him in lives of love, in lives of peace, in lives of joy. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us sing together if you will trust in God to guide you.
will now present our offering as Joe brings it forward. Doxology? Thank you. <clears throat> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we humbly present our offering to you this day. May you bless it and multiply it for your glory. Amen. Please be seated. Let us join our hearts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you as we come together again this day. We thank you for the blessings of life. We thank you for living in us, for guiding us, and blessing us. Lord, we thank you for our church. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for our families, our neighbors, our friends, for all the goodness that you have given to us. And Lord, we come carrying our burdens. We come carrying our worries and our concerns. And so we pray for those as well. Lord, we pray again for Ukraine and the horrible devastation that is happening in that country. And we pray for their protection. We pray for an end to this war, the senseless war. And we pray for Russia. We pray for those who are marching on the Ukrainian ground. May the Lord, may they lay down their weapons. May they find peace in their hearts. We pray for, the, for President Putin. Lord, may he repent of his evil ways and find peace in his heart as well and find love for the Ukrainian people. Lord, we pray for all those who are impacted by COVID as it just is still here and it is still here abundantly. So Lord, we pray for, continued, for, for continued protection for our neighbors, for our families, for those we love and care for, for those who work in our shops, in our hospitals, in our schools. Lord, we pray for an end to this pandemic. We pray for those who are still feeling the effects of this virus even weeks or months later. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for an end to the pandemic. Lord, we pray for the wisdom to love one another, to protect one another. Lord, we pray for so many things. We pray for those who are on our hearts today. We pray for those who are going for surgery this week. We pray for those who are waiting for tests. We pray for those who mourn. We pray for those who are alone. We pray for those who are hungry and cold. And Lord, we lift up to you the names on our hearts right now. 
Lord, we lift all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our closing hymn today is My Song is Love Unknown. favorites <laughs> that one my friends we could indeed spend all our days with our gracious and loving king for all eternity we turn our hearts to him this day and every day to receive God's love in our hearts to leave behind the struggles the sins and and the deception of this world to embrace the love of God each and every day 
Let us go in his name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with us all now and forever. Amen.